Hi out there, I'm Pat Polly, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Art Beat Northwest. Each week, we interview people from the arts, and this week, Laura Zek, owner of Zinc Contemporary in the TK Building in Seattle, and Zinc Contemporary in Edmonds, is here to talk with us. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. And also here is artist Holly Ballard-Martz, creator of Pattern Recognition, her show at Zinc Contemporary in Seattle, on until August 31st. And now her show opened June 7th, so it's had a really long run, but don't miss it. It's great. Welcome to the show, Holly. Thanks so much, Pat. I'm really happy to be here. Great. But before we get on with the interview... I want to talk about Art Beat Northwest and about our upcoming programs. Now, Art Beat Northwest is a nonprofit program with the goal of promoting the arts in the Pacific Northwest. And I am an unpaid volunteer who enjoys organizing the show and enjoys talking to the artists. Now, let me review the upcoming schedule that we have. On August 28th, we have Tamea Tahanyi, and she has Slip Rabbit, which is a 3D printed sculpture with porcelain clay, and uh, she's a faculty member at the UW School of Art. That should be interesting. And then on September 3rd, Jenny Wellman is coming in. Now, in Gig Harbor, they have a wonderful film festival. You know, it's not just in Seattle they have one. And this is their 11th annual film festival coming up September 13th to 16th. So we'll be talking about that. And then September 10th, Katrina Kasproviak, who is chair of the art department at Bellevue College, is going to come in and talk about all of their art programs. September 18th, Marcille DeLacy, who is a woodcarver with a great sense of humor, and, and, and she has causes, just, just like uh, you do. And she has a show at Rainbridge Island Museum of Art on two floors. It's really quite a great show. I was just there last week, and she's coming in. Uh, September 25th, people may not know about the Tatiuchi Center. Have you heard of that? Oh, good. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a big performing arts center that is to be built in downtown Bellevue. And they have a new CEO who's Ray Colon, and uh, it's a $195 million project. So we'll see if it gets built. But Ray thinks it's going to happen. So anyway, he's coming in September 25th to talk all about that. So got a lot ahead. Okay, with the schedule, we'll be back shortly talking with Laura Zek and Holly Bellard Martz, artist on Artbeat Northwest. Stay tuned to Alternative Talk 1150. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. From August 31st through September 30th, BAM hosts a pop-up exhibition of emerging Northwest artists as part of the City of Bellevue's annual art festival, Bellweather. Bellevue Arts Museum will be free and feature a series of events and performances for the two-week run of the festival. Through September 30th, catch the first museum exhibition from Female, AMPM 2.0. Female is a Seattle and Los Angeles-based fashion collaboration conducted through the U.S. Postal Service. 
Exchanges by collaborators Janelle Abbott and Camilla Carper. For more information, visit BellevueArts.org. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. Artist Holly Ballard Martz and gallery owner and artist Laura Zeck are here talking with us. And let's talk about your exhibit first, which is called Pattern Recognition. And it's at Zinc Contemporary in downtown Seattle, the TK building. um, Pioneer Square. Just Pioneer Square. Um, So what does pattern recognition refer to in your show, Holly? How would you characterize it? So pattern recognition is the method by which we learn. So our brains take incoming stimuli and match it with memory and stored information, and that's how we learn. And um, in reference to my show, is thinking about that that's a subconscious thing that happens. We aren't conscious that it's happening when we're learning. And the only way that we're able to change patterns is by recognizing them. And so my suggestion is that we have to pay attention, and we have to pay attention to the incoming information, and we have to pay attention to the patterns that are around us in order to change them. So the show has pieces that reference racism, sexism, um, xenophobia, uh, money in politics, uh, lots of various themes about that, that that we have to be able to realize that these patterns are happening so that we can then make change. And she has so many different kinds of sculpture and art, and they do really make you think differently about things. Now, why don't you describe a couple of them? Because, you know, the ones you want to, they're they're all so great and different. And I have no idea how you ever, you know, thought them up, really. (laughs) They're very original. I I told uh, Holly that, she, you know, some people just do art and, you know, it's fluffy. And but Holly is a very thoughtful artist. But what's your process? Well, I call myself a collector. I collect language and objects. I'm inspired by both. So I um, have a running list of phrases and words that appeal to me that may spark a piece. Or I'll go through thrift shops and I'll scroll through eBay and Etsy online looking for different things. And a particular object might speak to me and that might spark a piece. So it's, it, they go hand in hand, both the text, the words, and the objects. Um, I particularly like objects because they already have inherent meaning that we attribute to them. And so I like to take that meaning and sort of twist it around a little bit to get you to think in a different way about yeah, a, a topic. Um, one of the b- large installation piece in the show is called Danger of Nostalgia in Wallpaper Form. And at Zinc, it's 110 uh, coat hangers, wire coat hangers, that I've manipulated and bent and added steel wire that a friend actually soldered for me. So they, the coat hangers are now a female reproductive system. And the piece is about abortion rights and... It's a piece that I started last year, not long after the election, the presidential election and inauguration. And I felt really strongly about doing a piece about reproductive rights and abortion rights in particular. Um, So I had this idea of of bending a coat hanger because women, before they had access to safe and legal abortion, would often self-induce with many different ways. But a coat hanger is one way. Um, And I'm afraid that we're moving back in that direction. And I think that's really a terrible thing to be happening in our country. And I thought it was really important to do a piece about this. And as I was bending these, and they end up being sort of these curly cue, kind of pretty shape, 
which I then spray painted gold, and I was stacking them, I realized I knew immediately I wanted to do a wall installation of them. I didn't want to just do one or two of them. I wanted to do an installation, and they have this wallpaper pattern to them. They look really beautiful um, before you actually see what they are. And as I was bending them and I was thinking about um, the slogan, Make America Great Again, which I found really disturbing in terms of this idea of when was America great? Not that we aren't a great nation, but when when do people think that that was great? Was it before we had Roe v. Wade? Was it before the, the Civil Rights Movement and Civil Rights Act? When when was it great? And And it felt to me as though it was dangerous to romanticize the past. And as I'm bending these and thinking about this and I'm see this pattern emerging. It also reminded me of William Morris, who is um, famous from the Victorian era, British arts and crafts movement. He's famous for his um, textiles, and in particular, his very gorgeous, ornate wallpapers. And I had read an article about him that his family owned an arsenic mine, and arsenic was being used to add to the pigments to make these really gorgeous blues and greens. But of course, the workers who were making the wallpaper and the textiles were being poisoned as they're making it. And then the wealthy Victorians who were able to put it in their homes were also being slowly poisoned because the wallpaper would off-gas when it was damp and the little fibers would come off and people could inhale them. So this, oh, I know, but this, so this beautiful time when think about British arts and crafts, oh, it's this really wonderful um, movement against industrialization and back to handiwork and how wonderful that was. Well, yes, but there were all these other awful things associated with it. And so that is how the color that's the, the wall is painted, this really deep teal blue-green in reference to William Morris and ah. this idea of danger of nostalgia in wallpaper form, this idea of dangerous to, to um, romanticize the past. Uh, well, you did a lot of thinking on that. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought it was a very interesting piece and you know uh, the wall hangers, by the way, are are bent in the shape of a woman's reproductive system. Yes. Uh, and but they're very curly cues, and they they're very attractive. Yes. And they must you must have had a lot of grit. How many wall how many hangers did you do to do that pattern? Um, I mean, there are 110 on that wall, but I actually made 120. I wasn't exactly sure. I'd done the math, have, but I wasn't sure. You must have uh, gained some muscle. <laughs> My hands were very sore. I spent about a month. You know, I didn't do it you know, 24-7, but I spent about a month working on them, uh, bending them and binge-watching Netflix. And <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that is uh, about one topic, but actually the show uh, includes quite a few topics. Yes. So why don't you, you know, touch on, I know it touches on um, um, male executives, for example, the collar one. Right. Do, can you talk about that one? That was really interesting. So there are several pieces in the show that I've used um, old men's detachable shirt collars, um, which also were quite um, popular during the Victorian age, but have continued through through time. In fact, I found an, there's a designer on Etsy who still makes them and, shirt, and people wear them, which I found fascinating. Anyway, to me, they represent this idea of the power structure that keeps men in charge, and particularly white men. And so the collars are white, so that to me references that um, idea of white male patriarchy and power. And there's a, a sculpture, a wall sculpture with the collars in the circular form as they would be worn, and they're stacked, and that makes them look a bit like vertebrae or a relic of some kind. And then the shadow that's cast is quite beautiful. And then there are others that are ironed flat that are um, framed pieces um, there's one that's called stacked, and it's a stack of these silk 
uh, detachable collars and I uh, transfer text onto them and it says, only white, straight white men need apply. <laughs> and it, but it's very subtle kind it of is, way you've done it. You know? It but, is But, it, I mean, it can't help but hit you when you look yes. at this. And then you do some other things that have to do with race. Yes. There are two um, vintage x-ray light boxes in the show, um, and they're called I Don't See Color. And one of them says black, and one of them says white. And they're based on the Ishihara color deficiency test. So when you go to your eye doctor and you're tested to whether you're colorblind or not, you're presented with these plates that are um, dots, generally versions of red and green, and there'll be a number in the center, maybe in red, and the rest of the dots around it are green. And if you are colorblind, you can't differentiate between the red and the blue, or red and the green. You can't see the number. But those of us, the majority of us who are not colorblind, can see it and can read it. So I was using that for these light boxes. And, but rather than using a number, they say black and they say white. And once again, someone who is colorblind cannot read them, but the rest of us can. And the idea is uh, that it's hard to be colorblind. It is hard to be colorblind. And there are people who will say, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. And they mean that in, I'm not racist. I'm, I don't see color. I don't react to it. Everyone's the same to me. And that's a lovely sentiment. But I don't believe that that's the reality. Of course we see color. Of course we see skin color. Of course we um, see otherness that is out there. And the system in this country, you know, it's built on racism. It's built on genocide of indigenous people. It's built on slavery of black people. It still exists. And if you, if you claim you're not racist, unfortunately, you're ignoring the problem and you're not able to change it. And it goes back to this idea of pattern recognition. You have to see the pattern. You have to recognize it in order to change it. And by saying, I don't see it, you're taking yourself away from solving the problem. Yes, interesting. Now, in your art, does the thought or the idea come first and then you just figure out how to do it? Is that how it works? Or do you see something and then the idea kind of connects? How does that work? It goes both ways. Sometimes um, I... Like in the case of uh, wanting to do a piece about reproductive rights, I was thinking, you know, what are these objects? What are these things that are associated with that? And so I immediately thought of a wire coat hanger. That was a pretty easy one. And then that sprung from there. Well, what am I going to do with this coat hanger? How am I going to manipulate it? Well, how am I going to make it reference to reproductive rights? I don't see how you thought of that. <laughs> Actually, you've got to go see this exhibit. Um, but other times um, I'll see the object and think, oh, that's, I'm going to do something with that because it has this inherent meaning that I'm going to try to manipulate and switch around to get people to think about it in a different way. Um, it's all problem solving, like most art is, I believe. It's, it's coming up with an idea, and it might be, as I said earlier, it's either it's a word or a phrase that sparks something or it's an object that sparks something. And then it's like, okay, how, what's, this is the problem. This is where I want to get to. How do I get there? But in the process of doing that, you have had to have had so many different, artistic skills to execute all these projects. How do you manage to learn everything and do everything? Well, fortunately, I'm surrounded by some really fantastic artists um, who are willing to share skills with me and teach me or support me in terms of my friend who soldered all the coat hanger pieces for me. I don't actually have that skill, so she was willing to give her time for that. Um, Another friend has worked with me in learning mold making and to cast resin pieces and um, I come from a creative family, so my mother's an incredible um, seamstress and knits and bakes and cooks, and my dad is, 
you know, a Renaissance man. So I came from that background of where, well, if you want to do it, you figure out how to do it. Uh, well, that's that's great, but I don't think most people are quite as talented <laughs> as you are in that regard because you have to see this exhibit because it, it's just, and not only does it have a lot of great messages and great art, but the variety of the things that you do is quite amazing. So um, I think you've really learned a lot of skills in doing all these things or at least practiced a lot of skills. But listen, it's already time for a break. And uh, we're here talking with contemporary uh, multimedia artist, Holly Ballard Martz, uh, and of, of course, with a message. Multimedia with a message, right? And, of course, we're going to be talking with Laura Zek about her galleries, too. So stay tuned to Alternative Talk 1150. We'll be right back with more. Is art making too messy for your house? Then head on over to the Kirkland Art Center and take a class with a professional art teacher. At Kirkland Art Center, you or your child can experiment or refine artistic skills that can last a lifetime. In our art studios and classes, you can paint, cut, build, draw, Print, glue, and splatter to your heart's content. We're located in the heart of Kirkland on Market Street in the historic Peter Kirk Building. Learn more about the classes we offer and register online at kirklandartcenter.org. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Art Beat Northwest. And artist Holly Ballard, Martz, and gallery owner and artist Laura Zecker here talking with us. And we just talked a, a bit about uh, Holly's art exhibit at Laura's Gallery. And now we're going to talk with Laura about Laura's Galleries. She has two, actually, one in Edmonds and one in downtown Seattle, Pioneer Square. So, Laura, what got you started with these art galleries? Now, you're an art major, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily... Uh, you know, uh, give you a title to a couple of art galleries? Um, my father was a businessman, and I always um, dreamt of living in a family full of artists and oh. ended up going to art school, coming to UW for graduate school, and um, had it in my mind that at some point, in my life, I would have a gallery, and I'm not afraid of risk. <laughs> I think you have to be that's able a good to thing. Take you a know? risk when yeah. you open a business like this. Oh, absolutely. So then, uh, what did you open first? We opened the space in Edmonds first. Um, we happened to move there from the central district when we had a child, and um, it felt like a good place to start an experiment and see how it was received. So we opened the gallery there. Um, it is an art gallery, but we also sell uh, very beautiful furniture and some beautiful jewelry. Now, let's talk about your Edmonds Gallery first. Okay. Um, and you said uh, that you kind of had an idea of why you wanted to sell some furniture and other things because... It works so well with the art in the in terms of people's imaginations that came into the store. Um, I felt that 
maybe the gallery model might be changing. And um, I felt that bringing in some other objects that people were used to going and looking at or including in their home or adding to their wardrobe would sort of act as a gateway drug. Um, (laughs) So, and it did. It helped bring people in. It helped them sort of become aware of our aesthetic and um, it it just sort of developed an audience. People started coming in more regularly and they would see art as well and start thinking about how that piece might look in their home because they were also seeing it next to a beautiful sofa or dining table. And there's not a lot of furniture in there. It's very minimal, but it's enough to kind of give a sense of scale and possibly start the visualization process for somebody. And when you go into Zinc Contemporary, it really is contemporary. There are so many nice galleries in Edmonds, but yours is the only one that has that real contemporary feel to it. And I was there uh, talking to her associate, Jill, uh, and a lot of people came in, you, you know, and said, well, I come here all the time now, so you must change change what you see in your gallery uh, pretty often. We do. I mean, we like to kind of move things around, um, shake up the context between pieces and artists, um, just to kind of see what works. It's a small space, so I think changing things around to keep it fresh is really important. Keeps and people coming back, it, right? It's, it's my way of being creative since I haven't been able to make anything for a while. So, And you are a printmaker, so you do have some. But your main uh, thing is is showing contemporary artists, right? Right. right. Well, the um, shop in Edmonds was supposed to have a studio space in the back that I was going to work in. And somebody told me that will never work, and they were right. <laughs> so it's now storage space. Oh, it's now storage space. <laughs> now, I'm told that you have a real eye for what is, what looks good, what's sellable. Uh, Did you develop that or did you just, uh, is that just something that's inherent in your genetics? (laughs) Um, I, I think that what I look for in art or artists that we represent is, um, work that is very well made, um, that is crafted beautifully, but also has a message or a story so that if you were to live with peace over a long period of time, every day you would look at it and you would get something new from it. I think that's one of the things that having art in your life can help help you um, see things differently just because you're seeing this piece of art differently. And, and for instance, showing Holly's work, um, it's amazing because you see it first as this beautiful object And and then it draws you in and then it kind of hits you like a karate chop. (laughs) You know, that is true about Holly's work. You Mm -hmm. know, she has they're beautifully crafted objects and then they hit you. You're right. Yeah, exactly. They're powerful. Yeah, they're very powerful. So now you do have um, some new exhibits coming up and you're kind of changing your. Your image for your galleries, why don't you talk to that a little bit? Well, the name 
of the gallery in Edmonds it initially was Zinc Art Plus Interiors because I was also doing some interior design. Um, and I was afraid to kind of tread into that gallery zone. I didn't know what that looked like, and I wasn't sure I could do it. Um, now, how long have you been in Edmonds? Almost five years. Oh, okay. What's your, that's kind of new, though. Still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A guy came in the other day and said he didn't think we'd be there six months. <laughs> Well, I guess I proved you wrong. So, um, and then we opened the space in Pioneer Square two years ago. Ah. So, and that was really about getting back to Seattle and sort of building this bridge between the two areas of Seattle. A lot of people say, oh, Edmonds, it's so far away. And with traffic, it has gotten farther away in terms of time. But um, it's really created a dialogue. People from the area of Edmonds have been traveling to Seattle to see the exhibits there and vice versa and it's it's been really great. Yes, I traveled both places. You did. Last I week. really appreciate that. <laughs> and I really had a good time good. at your gallery. It was really nice. They were even serving wine. It was fun. We try to make your world fun. Yeah. So uh so you're still gonna be here for a long it sounds like you're Really into it now. You got your feet wet and you got going solidly. And Yes, we have yeah. plans. You have plans. That's great. But we are already running out of time. And uh, is there anything you want to leave uh, people with about your gallery or your show, Holly? I think if you can just make time to go and see art and support artists locally, think about how you might bring a piece of art into your home. We do payment plans. We work with um, financing options, that kind of thing. It's just a little bit more maybe to support a local artist and to um, keep the culture of that alive in Seattle than it would be to buy, say, a printed piece at a restoration hardware or something like that. Yeah, and then you have something individual and something story. that you can keep forever. Yeah. Anyway, um, now, how do we go online, Laura, and find out more about your gallery? Because you have a nice website. And by the way, I got to say this. They sell this furniture that's designed in Holland, and it's made in Mukilteo. Mm -hmm. And they will even take you out to the factory if you're interested in getting some. It's so crazy. And it's very contemporary, and it goes well with the art. Right. Yes. <laughs> Design on stock. Anyway, so what's your, what's your uh, website? Our website is zincontemporary.com, and that's Z-I-N-C, contemporary.com. Last in the alphabet, zincontemporary.com. And then go see Zinc Contemporary in Pioneer Square, and that's going to be done pretty soon here, so get out there quickly. And thank you so much for being on the show, you guys. Thank it you. It was fun. Thanks so much, Pat. And be sure to listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. drive time for... News and views on the local art scene on Artbeat Northwest. I'm your host, Pat Polly, signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great creative week. <laughs>